You are listening to Is There an Echo in Here? A podcast about Echo and the Bunnymen. everyone welcome once again i'm courtney and i'm shane okay so finally we are finally getting to something i know about something i can actually speak to something called echo and the men (laughs) yeah this is the night when we really dive in to talking about the actual humans that comprise the band. How's it going? Great. Okay, because Shane is, we've had a little preamp problem, but we think we fixed it with a grounding, it was a grounding issue. It was a grounding issue. We think. We are cautiously optimistic. It's a pretty uh, B operation over here. And yeah, that's what we'll kind of get to in a moment. Um, (laughs) Because I do... But we make do. That's how we do on this podcast. So let's set the scene for the listener. So this is a podcast where I come into my husband's studio after we put our daughter to bed, take it over. And what were you working on tonight? It's always, you know, interesting to hear what I've, uh, what space I've invaded. I was really just doing a Tabata workout. I was just doing some exercises because I, I had a big push recently. I had to learn all this Brazilian music. And the gig was this morning. So, uh, nailed sort of it. regrouping. Yeah, nailed it. Pre- Over prepared. So, yeah, you were kind of just, you know, doing a little regrouping and, you know, this pot. Or- just getting in my body, you know. I have a lot of uh, things coming up. And so I'm about to make a push in a new direction All musically. Right. Okay. I have a bunch of concerts next week playing folk music interpretations. Oh, oh yeah! I didn't know that. See, this is when we actually talk. Yeah, <laughs> this is during the podcast. I'm going on tour. I'm going too. Well, I'm going to pick you up after I do a few dates, and then we're going to New York. Okay. Well, this won't. This will be coming right up. Yeah, this is coming right up. But this is a. This will not be relevant any longer when this podcast comes out. No, so I won't tell everyone where I'm playing and when. Oh man! But well, if we get could... a quicker turnaround. So. When we had the idea for this podcast, I was pretty sure that there would be about two listeners. So I kind of, but then I knew people would kind of trickle in a little at a time and that some, you know, someday people would find this podcast hopefully useful, you know, but um, let me tell you. Little did you know. (laughs) That there has been an interest and... More importantly, I have made a discovery, and that discovery, Shane, is that I am not alone in the world of Echo and the Bunnymen. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. I'm telling you that there are others like myself. Right. So we got this podcast, we recorded it, and then I do Instagram because that's um has pictures <laughs> right yeah. i don't do facebook because it's evil but all i mean i do instagram so it's the same corporation but um i've gotten connected 
with some folks on some other echo fanatics yes i have it yeah. who've been in the game for a long time and they've welcomed you with open arms just yep just so kind haven't even heard the podcast oh yet. that's the thing that's the people... scary part <laughs> they're like hey we're so excited for what you're doing and you're like oh you know there's and i maybe should you know kind of explain where i'm coming from and and who i am in this whole podcast we're gonna it's gonna be revealed over time but but i want to um just give a shout out to the official bunnyman page uh they've been super supportive they just create magic in i mean the the entities running the page are like reposting things they're very accessible and people it is very emotional. People it's a community. Great burst into tears and you know, yeah. they do the smiley face, cry face, interchangeable because it's you can't do the smiling crying thing with the emoji. You can't which s- is really oh. unfortunate. What? You got rid of that? They got rid of that? Well, I get it looks like a laughing crying. Yeah, I'm crying so laughing so hard I'm crying. crying yeah. But not the like the crying because your son came home for Christmas, kind of that kind of cry. <laughs> you have to from kinda, the war, yeah, and that's the feeling people are getting from, you know, these reposts and Which these interactions, war, and they'll like your stuff. And I'm not—I don't follow any other bands on Instagram, so maybe this is like how people do. But it just makes you feel so special. So yeah, that's that's a thing. But also just like connecting with other fans, I gotta say, and. um even getting some letters, you know? And so the official Bunnyman Instagram is pretty special. They upload amazing concert footage and just, it's the bomb. And yeah, and just connecting with other fans has been special and exciting. We've gotten emails and we want more letters. I mean, we want to hear your stories. I've had people like young people tell me about like, they got into the Bunnymen, how they got... It was a private message. I won't tell their story, but come on the show. Well, you could tell the story. They don't... They might come on the show and tell it themselves. Yeah. You know? But people like when you tell their story, you know? That's you true. don't have to name names if they feel shy about it. It's true. So, yeah. Um, so, it makes me kind of want to introduce us, introduce who we are a little bit, right? Okay. I mean... So, I mean, but that's the thing is I'm just, I'm just a gal out here in the world. Just a fan. You've just been touched deeply. By the music. By the music. I mean, I like visual art. I've studied visual art and I did women's studies in undergrad. I really like doing research and stuff. And I work at a, um, a recovery center of people with mental health challenges. And, um, so I'm really into bringing armchair psychology to the table with this podcast and I just have a real interest. I read a lot of books about psychology and I've thought about going back to school for counseling or some related subject. But then you're like, I'm just going to explore my fandom of Echo and the Bunnymen. I enrolled in School of Echo and the Bunnymen. Now here's where I'm at with my knowledge. Um, There's a whole, I think we're going to do a bonus episode where we talk about how we discovered the band because I don't want, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to somebody, but I don't want to impose that on everyone. So it'll be like a bonus. You can listen to it. But so I went, I enrolled in, in Echo and the Bunnyman school. And so right now I'm taking some remedial classes because I haven't 
I left the field for a while. Right. You got to fill in the holes. <laughs> yeah. But eventually I will be a doctorate. I mean, I just want you to know. Yeah. No you doubt. know, six years from now on the podcast, you know, season well, six. And the thing about teaching is that teaching is learning. You know, I teach music for a living and there's, I just started teaching a piano student. I've never taught piano before. But yeah. I figure I'll just learn while I'm teaching it to it's them. It's kindergarten. I mean, they're a kindergartner. Yeah, if they wanted see, to learn like some Chopin, I'd be like, no, nah, you got to go see someone else. Sorry. Now, but, people listening to this podcast mm-hmm. are... Um, maybe they're experts. Maybe they're... And, you don't ever get tired of talking about something you're that passionate about, even on the most introductory level, though. And hopefully it'll be nice, my fresh perspective that I'm bringing. That's what I'm saying. Right? You have to always wear the white belt, you know? Yeah. You might become a black belt and echo in the Bunnyman, but you have to be able to like talk about it at an introductory level with, you know, that enthusiasm and curiosity that you came into it with in the first place. You know, right. like you don't get tired of I mean, like, I talking about it. I do not get tired of it. And um, yeah. that's, and so some people, you know, maybe you're wondering if this is going to be like a, you know, 12 part series about the band, you know, album by album. But no, I think this is going to be <laughs> an ongoing series. It's therapy, y'all. <laughs> so here's the thing though here's the thing echo and the Bunnymen are on tour oh mac is back right now and i don't know where they're playing tonight this episode might have to come out a little early so that people can listen to it on the way to the show mm-hmm. right and tune in folks and i think there's tickets available so you can get them get one for me uh, there's a new single out as well. It's been out probably now. And he dreams of chat wheels in his oceans, walks in his sleep, the somnambulist. So I want to go over, take a minute, go over some of the sources that we are using for this podcast. And last week I talked about Never Stop, which is the um, authorized Echo and the Bunnymen story. And this week I got, not this week, I got it a month ago. Have you seen this thing around? Yeah. This Turquoise is, days. This is a living text. I carry it about the house with me everywhere have you noticed it's like here it's i do I on see the it. floor it's it looks like in my purse it looks very respectable this book did is you get an email great. from this guy it is i mean it's funny because that's looks like it's a very almost zine format i write in it i love it so much and it's like a conversation but really it's just like a bunch of underlining so basically it's just me like clapping and being like yes to things and it's just wonderful and I'm reading it really slowly because I don't want it to end and so I'm kind of keeping up in real time with the pod I'm actually on porcupine now a great book so turquoise days the weird world of echo and the bunnyman by chris adams that's right by chris adams get it and and my favorite part is in the introduction when they are just dorking out about how much they love the band and that that reading that was kind of a life changer for me it was 
it was after I made the dork out fest that is the first episode. And then I was like feeling kind of like, you know, I don't know, is that too much? And then I read their intro and I was like, oh, there are others. But I'm so glad to have this book. I'd ordered it a long time ago. It never came, I think, because I never hit the order button because I looked over the thing and I never, oh, there was no evidence of me yeah. ever. So anyway, it came late. So um, that's a new source that I am using as well as, you know, the internet at large. It's happening. <gasps> I'm so excited. I, finally. Finally. Somebody's being born. His name, Ian Stephen McCulloch. Ian Stephen McCulloch. Baby with a silver throat. <laughs> just, just born. Yeah. The stars aligned, and there he was. Silver tongue. Golden S- throat. <laughs> what is that expression? Silver tongue. Silver tongue. <sighs> But does that mean like a, uh, yeah, we don't, <laughs> it's whatever that expression, that's the one. That's yeah. the one for him. Yeah. I think it's a golden throat because it is, it's still going. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so, so his father is Robert McCulloch. So they, he goes by Bob. They call him Bob. His dad. His dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and his mother is Evelyn. Um, so his father is an inspector for the town corporation. We've talked about him a little bit. He was in the war. Mm-hmm. We don't, I don't know much about him. Right. I long to know more about the family. But um, his father was a soccer player who showed good promise mm-hmm. and then uh, went off to the war. When he came home and he was 26, soccer days are behind you. I don't yeah. know how old those athletes are. I mean, if they keep up with it. I mean, I that one guy, Beckett. Yeah. yeah, I mean, or 30s, 40, I guess, maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know. Who knows, in this day and age. But um, but he he felt like that was over for him. So he got a job at the Lucas Car Plant, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, do you know anything about the Lucas Car Plant? I don't. <laughs> okay, let me tell you. I don't ya. know about the Lucas Car Plant. <laughs> um, so it was a Birmingham-based British manufacturer of motor industry and aerospace industry components, okay? Okay. That's where he's working. All right. Okay. In the 1850s. Like on the conveyor belt or what? Yeah. Well, oh. no. He's the corporate, uh, the corporation inspector. What does that mean? Like he's like, it's like, the, the, like the, they call it the regional manager or something. Does he like go around and. He's inspecting though. Is that? Yeah. Does he go to like different <laughs> locations and. Make Did sure he travel? Everyone's doing a good job, or is I it just like one he didn't travel. facility? I think it's one facility. I think it's one facility. I think his mom worked there too. Ian's mom, oh. Evelyn. I think, and I. Al, what did she do there? I can't remember, and I I didn't look it up because I'm trying to do, um, in the words of Adrian Marie Brown, um, less prep, more presence. Gotcha. <laughs> so I, right. yeah, but anyway, 
Um, so anyway, let me tell you about Joseph Lucas. Who's that? <laughs> From the car plant. Oh, the guy who owned the, the company? The, the one who owned the company, okay. All right. Wow. <laughs> he was a job. <laughs> <laughs> he was a... A jobless father of six from Birmingham. We know Birmingham's in the south, and I think we figured the guy that, that was it the Duran Duran's from there or something. The guy that owns the factory? <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, I'm talking about, this is in the 1850s, Shane. Oh. <laughs> That's when this guy, this is where his dad worked, all right? This is important. In the 40s, 50s. His dad was working in the 50s and the 60s. When was Ian born? <laughs> I thought we were talking about Ian's birth. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, Ian was born May 5th. 1959 all right so a spring day um near may day you know so but i want to tell you something about the lucas plant Hmm. in 1976 and this is when you know echo and the bunny men two years before they're formed the militant workforce within the lucas aerospace corporation were facing some really serious layoffs I don't know. I think his dad's probably not ready for retirement, but I don't know what's going on. Um, but under the leadership of Mike Cooley, they developed the Lucas Plan. All right. And that was to convert the company from arms to the manufacture of socially useful products and save jobs. All right. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. It was described, this plan was described at the time um, by the Financial Times as one of the most radical alternative plans ever drawn up by workers for their company. And That's Tony, amazing. Yeah, and Tony Benn uh, said that this is one of the most remarkable exercises that has ever occurred in British industrial history. And the plan took years to put together six volumes of around 200 pages each and included designs, kind of like this podcast, for 150 <laughs> proposed items for the manufacturer and everything. And the plan was not put into place. Big surprise there. <laughs> well, I thought, yeah, I was kind of like, I thought that was a plot twist when I was reading along. So I don't know, you know, how if Ian's dad, what he thought about all this or if he had anything to do with it, but, you know. That's cool. Yeah, well, he was the inspector. I wonder, he, I mean, shit, he might have been the guy that shot it down. Oh, shit. We oh, don't know damn. Shit. Didn't think about that. Mm-mm. Yeah, he might have been, he might have uh, looked it all over, inspected mm. it, and said, nah. <laughs> well, what else do we know about his dad? I, I've heard that his dad liked to sing. His father is Scottish. Ian, um, I will say this about his dad. Whenever I hear him, like if I read about him talking about his dad and I feel like I've seen like a video, I feel like he loves his dad and really identifies with him and really sees the good in this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he says he gets a sense of humor from him. Yeah, He identifies as being more Scottish. His mother's Irish because he says, you know, you always feel more like your dad. But like, do you? But um, he did. And um, his dad was also a compulsive gambler who would, I think it was a pretty big problem for him. I think that sometimes food wasn't making its way onto the table. 
I think that he was lying. What was his a lot. Uh, What was his game? I don't know. I mean, I know that he was a Dogs? huge soccer fan. Soccer. Can you? Is that like something you gamble on? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, people I mean, bet on sports. Yeah, I mean, it may have run the gamut. I don't know. If my it was my like stepdad's a, ga- uh, a gambling addict and. Well, I think it's about like, him. It's like the lottery, dogs, horses, ball games, blackjack, slot machines. I mean, yeah, yeah, the whole thing. It's the works. The works. And then he won like a quarter million dollars one day on the lotto, which just like got them out of debt because he like got them all in the debt from the gambling, and then he like won enough money to like get them out of debt. But then I think that justified the gambling you know what i mean yeah it's a weird thing it's a cycle well you know it's <laughs> kind of like it. you're like... you're chasing kind of a dopamine high and I've, i wasn't going to bring him up but you know i think about your he's not going to listen to this podcast nope. i assure you <laughs> you're right there is i don't think that you could make him my listen mom to this. might listen to 10 minutes of the first episode <laughs> there's no way she's going to get this far <laughs> So, and if she does, we've already talked about this. It's not a big secret. I know, you know, it's like... Well, okay, here's the other thing. I've never met anyone who had that particular, like, addiction. Um, My but, cousins will listen to this. The, oh, the we're going to talk about their And they're going to hear this oh, and they're going to have a laugh. Lauren, Alex, man, this is about y'all. Yeah, they're, okay. they're this big, is for you big guys. echo and the Money Men fans. I mean, yeah, and heroes, weirdly, they didn't even know it because of stories you would tell me about them when I was younger. I'd be like, so... I was at my cousin Lori's house when oh, she was... What? Should we Should we go there? No, oh, no, 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 no. Right. We'll do it later. We got to stay on the topic at hand. So I think about your stepdad, though, because um, this will tie in. He's like a really kind, really funny person with this kind of gregarious, um, like a really good and warm person with a sense of morality. And I get that feel from his dad, too, that there's like a a warmth to this person that he doesn't want to hurt anyone and he cannot stop. It's a compulsive thing. Right. And I think probably if you're like doing like factory life or blue collar work, like my stepdad is a mail carrier and then you're like soul sort of like transcendent, like, you know, imaginal like dopamine experience is going to be like getting, uh, you know, like throwing some dice across the table or, you know, going to Vegas, you know, going to Las Vegas and uh, playing an electronic blackjack machine uh, or poker poker video poker anyway whatever people do but the game but you know i think it's um you got to have some outlet it's like a it's like the creative urge right but manifesting in that you know in that kind of quick fix sort of way right. because you know you can't like be in you haven't had time to find your like some healthy passion right or cultivate it right and no one maybe has you know given you the opportunity or encouragement, you know? I mean, maybe... I mean, I mean who might judge? Maybe some You're trying to get a dopamine... Yeah, but also you're getting a dopamine fix. I don't get a dopamine fix from gambling. Like, you're not getting that... And dope, when I say dopamine fix, I mean, this is just a chemical that's used for so many purposes in the human body, so it's weird to call it out. But I just mean that that feeling of desire kind of that foraging activity that humans do when you're stoked about something and you're looking for it, kind of like how I feel about this podcast, which is also kind of a gamble in a way, but stakes aren't as high. No gamble. There's no, well, yeah, there's no gamble. It's just the fruit is in the doing. Right, there's no win or lose. And that's the kind of stuff that really 
makes me it's like that want to forage. Music, though, you know, there's a risk involved, like performing or in art. Yes. You know, and that, and that risk is, you know, I guess failure or something. But, but you, you know. make money when you take the risk. You really don't ever lose it. You know, maybe the Who investment. Does? Most of people don't. Losing money is not part of the game. Gambling. Gotcha. It's not right. about money. It's not about money at all. Unless so it is. So it's less destructive in some ways. But yeah. I hear you. So, um, and I'll talk. He's a good man. He was he a, had a gambling I think problem. A, yeah, that's which how kind of screwed the family up. And that's what happened, you know, my family. A too. little bit, but you know, they're kind of okay. No, also, no big deal. It, yeah, it's kind of okay. <laughs> Whatever. It's wasteful. They could probably do something better with the money. You know, they could probably. <laughs> well, I mean, now and start like, a school. Well, here's the thing: like you and your three siblings, these three siblings um, are fine. They did okay. So hey. Is he still alive? No. Oh. You know, I'm reading at the he, same time. He liked his dad. He loved, I think he loved his dad. I think he felt very close to him. And I think he's going to write about him later in some fucking awesome albums. Like forthcoming albums? Yeah. Or like, like in a, not in the podcast, but like in like 2020 or something? No, I mean, in like 2011 and stuff 12 after oh, coming out of that he yeah. has yeah. but we just haven't talked about we him yet. haven't talked gotcha. about him in the distant future um he's gonna write a lot about his dad i think distant future in podcast in podcast and in the life of ian mcculloch in his distant future 60 years later 50 in the tale we're spinning right which is a tale clearly you know we're just this is chance operations. This is intuition. All right. And this is us moving forward. So he has um, a mom, too. His mother's name is Evelyn. I know even less about her, but I have I've thought about her a lot and wondered about her. She is Irish, of Irish descent. Now, I don't know when, when they say my mom's Scottish, my mother's Irish. I don't know if they're just talking about, like, descendant-wise or, like, she is from Ireland. I don't know where she's from. She, uh, oh, okay, I'll tell you something about her, okay? So she had two sons from a previous marriage before marrying Ian's father. And one of these sons died when he was 19. And I don't know how old Ian was when her son died, but I think it was very sad. I mean, 19? Come on. Like how? Why? Wait, sh- so that? so Ian's mother, yeah. Evelyn, had two children from a previous marriage, oh, okay. and these are Ian's half brothers. Oh, one that of are them older. died when he was nineteen. Yeah, so that's pretty. That's a pretty tragic event. Yeah, and so, um, and I really feel like she has a sense of who her son is. Like she recognizes that he's sensitive. You know. Mm-hmm. He also has um, a brother who, he's very close to his siblings. He has an older brother, older brothers uh, named Peter and a sister named Julie. His brother, he really kind of lived to make this guy laugh. I think there was like a lot of emphasis placed on being funny in this family. And one-liners, his brother was really good in school. Tested really well, one of those people. I think he went to Cambridge and is continuing to do well and, like, killing it with the game of life and stuff. His sister apparently is, too. They're all doing great. And good for them. <laughs> good, good, sweet family. That is what it was Just, said you know, of them, you know, that yeah. they were a good, 
sweet family. So in this podcast, for the next many, you know, many moons, we're going to be talking about little kids, children that are born into the world. Now, children don't have it easy. They don't have jobs. It's true. Which children are we talking about? Just in general. Children. The youth. We're talking about youth. The youth. I have a real soft spot for the youth. Mm -hmm. And I really identify with my 14-year-old self. It's really coming alive doing this podcast. Yeah, right. I've always um, been sort of a... Young young at heart. Yeah, you know, and just uh, have a real sympathy for how vulnerable you are as a as a child but also like i mean and how brilliant you brilliant are. and how much you don't give a shit oh uh, they're the best okay youth the youth and the elderly these are two devalued ages yeah that the- so you know in in this culture this western 21st bullshit culture like we really we love youthful people and we love you know everyone's supposed to look young unless but they we, have ideas but exactly but we shit on young people and you know this is so grim and i'm sorry to naive or they you know try to like just discredit oh, yeah. them oh yeah. yeah yeah so so i'm really like excited for this portion of the podcast because it's about these like young mm-hmm. people who are not indoctrinated but who are brilliant. Right. The critical thinking skills are good. Mm-hmm. And yet there is still this like tie to, to the, to the beyond. Right. Which you get close to again when you're entering later life, the place where Ian is now, which I think is going to be his best 40 years to come. A friend of mine reminded me recently that the composer, Elliot Carter, who's like, a modern composer. He died recently, but uh, he premiered his uh, first opera at the tender young age of 90 years old. There you, know? you go, yes. And, and uh, Ian, keep doing what you're doing so you can live. Eat some vegetables and stuff because um, I Your really best do. years are ahead of you, I really man. feel that. I mean, seriously, I think seeing so this too. last show, I was like, holy thing. shit. You could do the oh, crooner dude. thing as an old man. Oh, my God. An elderly man. I mean, absolutely, he, he could make his best work. It is, uh, I mean, it, I really felt that at the show. I was like, okay, there. I not only am I finally getting to see the Echo and the Bunnymen, maybe I'll see a shadow of them. I am getting to see them in a new way. Again, this is your chance. You can bring them up. Bring them up? Go ahead. Who? You know. Roger Waters. <laughs> Man's in his 70s. Right. Best uh, show I've ever seen. All right. <laughs> um, there you go. There's this. Actually, probably... you know, the fact of the matter is that you brought up Roger Waters. Mm-hmm. His best solo album is his newest solo album. I know. That's crazy. I don't because I, let me tell you, it is his by far. You got Nigel Godrich his... producing it. That's what I'm talking about. You need yeah. that producer that is just going to be pared down yeah. and, and fresh. And the songs were better overall. The songs were amazing. And yeah. trust me, I went yep. deep dive in the whole Roger Waters solo career when I was I a teenager. And his solo career. Well, and I love the new the one. Part. But yeah. he has some good, so there's some like gems in there. But you like it. It's so cute. No, 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 but like I listen back, it doesn't hold up at all. You know what I mean? Right. But this new one is like, whoa, how did you do that? Yeah. 
at 73 years old. I wondered too. I mean, I was like... And there was a 20-year gap between records. Think about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway. Wow. Well, there you go. All right, so back to the early life of young Ian McCulloch. So when he... We've mentioned that he was born in Toxteth, which was a tight-knit community of working-class people. We talked about um, the Toxteth riots. um, And this was a community, again, that was very tight-knit, that you just left the house open. It sounds pretty wonderful, Um, aside from... Racist policing. Right, (laughs) exactly. Um, So they moved out of Toxteth because, you know, they wanted to get out into the suburbs where there was a little more greenery. They didn't want to be in the, like, row houses and stuff. Right. So they moved to Norris Green, and he lived in a house on Parthenon Drive, which he'll write about. What a cool name of a street for him to live on. I don't know. It's like, like, you know, the bunny gods gave him that street so he could write a song about it later, you know? kind of kid was he he was really you know he was he was a pretty normal kid they were a really normal little family that um but there was something sad about this child and i would say that he was picking up on some of the more painful undercurrents in the family system i think that he is the sensitive i.e gifted child that alice miller talks about who Mm -hmm. um he talks about crying a lot as a kid and he continues to and does to cry a lot yeah hmm. that's that's what he says it's a kind of hard to imagine i don't know singing sometimes sounds like crying exactly yeah. that is exactly what's that one song a promise oh. he literally is crying in whoa that one. did you yeah. know that no yeah i believe it wow yeah So he was also kind of a loner. He felt set apart from others. He made friends, you know? He wasn't like, it sounds like he wasn't that kid who who couldn't get along with other kids. He wasn't antisocial. But he just kind of kept to himself and did not want to leave the house so much. And his mother says, this is from um, Never Stop with Tony Fletcher, His mother remembers how he would sit happily alone in the living room with the lights out, singing to himself and dreaming. Now, they're, you know, a small family, I mean, a big family in a small house. And 
I think it was really hard for him to learn to sing in this environment. I mean, can you mm-hmm. imagine? Mm-hmm. Even having younger a younger sister, I think that, you know, he felt like people were laughing at him. Right. It must have been very... I difficult. totally relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he recalls strange images that filled his head from an early age. He would like, he liked looking at the light kind of playing against the wall from the tree. There's a street light outside of his house and the light would shine through the branches and hit against the wall. Um, and, you know, he's kind of a visual kid. Wow. So he would just like, kind of trip out on that? He would kind of trip out. Yeah, I think he was prone to those kind of dreamlike states that are mm-hmm. kind of disassociative. Now, there are some contributing factors there. But so, as far as the singing goes, you just have to be quiet? or, or did... You know what? I think I want to come back around to this. to talk about his family you know was pretty respectable and um he they never swore as a kid you know how british people like start cussing really early Mm -mm. they do they you remember when we were traveling through belgium and that four-year-old British girl told me, was like, fuck you, and like flicked you off. Do you remember that, though? That, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, there were these British kids, and they were like doing backflips, oh, yeah. and then they were like, hey, fuck off. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was like, right. oh, okay, why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, even in America, I mean, we're supposed to be really hard and stuff. We don't, I don't know. I wasn't cussing until I was Yeah, ten. yeah, no. Yeah, so, but he didn't. He wasn't into it because it just, you know, just didn't feel right. I think that there was something kind of like, proper and i was kind of that way too i wasn't really trying to i wish i didn't curse as much i do it's weird though because i curse a lot generally but i work with children and somehow i'm able to never i've cursed like once or twice in front of a student by accident yeah when i started teaching i realized i had no vocabulary at all um but yeah so you know his dad used to take all the kids to the Liverpool Football Club, to Ansfield, Ansfield Field, Ansfield, what is that place? I don't know. <laughs> Ansfield? Ansfield. He would take him there on Saturdays, and it was like, it's such an emotional part of Liverpool life is the football. Mm-hmm. We don't, we can't even comprehend. You know the Pink Floyd album, Never Walk Alone? Well, the album is metal. I mean, not the album, the song. The song's fearless. Right. Yeah. And then the, and it ends with the with that football haunting. Song. And did you always wonder what that was? I always thought it was like like I I pictured it being in like some kind of, like in Africa or something. And then yeah, and then I found out it was like a football game. In Liverpool. No kidding. That's yeah. What is it called? You'll never walk alone. And then there's a movie that we've watched since we did that whole. Since we did the whole podcast about Liverpool music after that, for some reason. I'm still watching it, though. I love it. Yeah, what we're going to do a, a whole podcast, or a segment at least, on about that. About that movie. Oh, my God. Because it tied, like, now I listen to our podcast, and I'm like, I didn't know shit. It's such a time it capsule. It really captured something for me. So beautiful. It's a beautiful film, um, and very, yeah, there's some 
there's some rich stuff there to talk about for sure. Um, so let me then. So he loved football, and Ian was really, really good at football himself. You know, he's a tall guy, lean. You can you can see him. You know, being out there on the field with us, and he would take all his kids to Shefton Park, and they would play football, and uh, yeah, and he. So Ian always wanted to be a football player. That's his thing. I mean, I go on and on. He go on and on, but I don't know shit about sports. I don't know anything about sports, so I'll just continue. So you know, he's got this kind of dreamy, kind of introverted personality, and there's some contributing factors that are physical. His eyesight is incredibly poor, and and I don't know myopia. Isn't that just nearsightedness? Myopic status. This is a quote from, this is a quote, the glazed stare and distinctive bulging eyes of Ian are entirely attributable to his myopic status. Yeah, but myopic is more like depressed or something. It's... Oh, maybe did I spell that wrong? No, no, I think it's like saying that... <laughs> his eyes? His are... eyes are more, it's like more making a glazed stare and distinctive bulging eyes are entirely... Well, he can't see a thing, is what we're saying. But, like, we need to know what the word myopic means, because it's more like saying, like, he, like, is all goth or something, oh. I want to say. All right, well, anyway, but being... No, it's not. Nearsightedness, uh, also known as short-sightedness and myopia. No way. I wonder why I thought that. And so degenerate, degenerative myopia... Causes headaches. Well, yeah. Okay. When I see Ian walking around with his bangs in his face, I get a headache just looking at him. You know, what he has uh, endured for the sake of appearance is is pretty incredible, I think. But, uh, you know, so he, so he couldn't see the blackboard, okay? Mm-hmm. Can't see it, but he does not want glasses. He really does not want them so much that when his teacher, when he failed the eye test, his teacher came by his house and uh, to let him know he needed glasses. And, and he just thought, you know, that's, that's the last thing I need going to a new school. So let's reenact this. Do I have lines? Well, not really. We're just going to kind of... What am I doing? We're, we're doing a dumb reenactment for the sake of comedy. What's the deal, though? So I'm a teacher coming around to give a note for you to give to your parents. Uh-huh. You're Ian. You don't yeah. have to do the British accent, but... Okay. All right? And what? And you're going to be like, they're not home. Okay. Go All ahead. Right? You start. So let's do a little dramatic reenactment. All right. What happened when his teacher came around <laughs> to give him a note about his failing the eye exam? All right, ready? Hello, teacher. (laughs) Hello, Ian. I'm just coming around to give you this note to your parents. It's telling them that you need glasses. Now you need to go straight to the doctor. What? What? (laughs) I don't need bloody glasses. Yes, you do. Now I want you to give this note to your parents. I am going to be a rock and roll singer. Okay, but you're supposed to take it. Oh, I'm going to take this note because we're doing a thing. All right, well, good. So, but mommy and daddy are not home right now. No, you're not supposed to tell me. You're supposed to be like, yeah, I'll give it to them. Oh, uh, I'll give it to them. Okay. Teacher. (laughs) Great. She doesn't know I'm not really going to 
give it to her. I'm going to just throw it in the trash. Because I don't want to wear glasses. I like the way things look. <laughs> or maybe you like the way you look, Ian. He doesn't want, and I'm not saying it's even like he wants to look good. He does not like the glasses look. He's still wearing dark glasses because he won't wear glasses that just look he like regular. He not to see. Well, he saw a lot at the show, man. He's watching everything that happens. I thought he couldn't see, but I he can see. He was like see. calling people out. Oh my in the god! Audience. It's like we watch out. He's like, like, "Hi, you. With you the, over there? Oh, you look. I you like this. The, oh, you, <clears throat> excuse yeah. me. You, the bald beard. Bald beard. <laughs> hey, bald beard. <laughs> I don't think he said that, but, but he kind of did. One guy he was just like, "You look great, guy." He was like the six-year-old yeah. man. I love the bald beard. <laughs> Now listen. Yeah. The last so it so that was our dramatic reenactment of what happened. He so here's what how he used to so how did he get away with it for si like six years or something? Wow. Um. Okay, so he would squint for one thing, and mm -hmm. if you know if you pull the side of your eye, you can like focus your eye and focus the lens, so you oh. can sit there oh. and like. But people used to call him Squinting Hog. You know, that's not cool so but he was so dedicated he what he would do during the vision test is he would stand behind people getting their eyes checked because they put like five of you in a row and he would memorize the last line whoa i'm talking about oh, like listening strategy. to the other kids yes nice. for years wow and i can't remember i think it was sixth grade or something i, I have to like look. e g b d two <laughs> four six now, think about, I mean, it's funny and stuff, and it's like, wow. But how annoying to not be able to see in this world, you know? I mean, how... But some, you know, that might have something to do with his, like, the gift he has for singing. Well, it's, it's strange. It's a natural, because he's not, like, a trained singer. And people who have eye impairments mm -hmm. can often be, you know, obviously, you know, extremely musically talented on an intuitive level. And I think of, of course, you know... Well, Stevie Wonder, um, mm -hmm. Ray Charles, Ray Charles, Blind Lemon Jefferson. I mean, just like the blind musicians hear more acutely, and so he was able to craft his the sound of his voice. Well, what what's also kind of strange, kind of a paradox, is I feel like he's a really visual person. Um, his his you know he really links music to kind of a visual aesthetic. He's very concerned with his own appearance. He is very watchful and he draws really he's a that's what he was gonna do. That was the only thing oh. that he seemed to be good at. So yeah, so his brother, you know, was like the one who did really well in school. And then Ian, you know, was like good at English and drawing. He mm. was that kid. I was that kid too. Yeah. Yeah. I was too. You were too. I was going to say you were too, but then you can do math and all that stuff. I guess, but I never did well with it in school. Okay. Until I, I, I just, well, because I couldn't, I just was not interested in being in class. Right. And so I would just fall behind and then it would be too difficult to kind of recover. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, that was because you were taking acid and not going to class. In but high school. I was, was in trying. High school, yeah. yeah. Oh, you were talking younger. Yeah. But um, but he liked drawing in English, and uh, his parents were like, "Well, God, why don't you become an artist?" 
he was like. So here's something that happens. What? This all this part is so good, but I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get take any more of your time, you know. Well, maybe we plug in tomorrow and do it again. Okay. Won't that be fun? Yeah. Yeah, because I know exactly what I'm gonna say. Okay. Is that cool? That's cool. Drop us a line at echoinherepodcast at gmail.com.